you got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to uh, 2 Corinthians 4.16 is where we're going to start our uh, study of Scripture today. And we are in part two of this series called Blended, where we are actually trying to figure out, uh, those of us who call ourselves Christians, like how does this play out in our lives? How does this not just play out in part of who we are, but understanding this truth out of Scripture that we are actually designed to have our faith interact in every part of our life. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I am so compartmentalized. I love to compartmentalize things. I love to compartmentalize people. I mean, in my, if you look at my dresser, how I have certain things, like I have, you know, a white sock drawer, a black sock drawer, a colored sock drawer. I mean, it's like, you know, I have gray T-shirts here, white T-shirts. Here. Like, I'm a compartmentalizer. But God is not a compartmentalizer, thank the Lord, because what he tells us to do is to actually integrate, entwine, and connect every part of our lives with one another. Katie, oftentimes, my wife, oftentimes in the morning for breakfast, she'll make a smoothie. And when I'm seeing some of the things that go into this smoothie, like I was like, she puts like the normal fruits and stuff like that, but then she puts like chia seeds and some kind of protein powder, some stuff that I was like, if you just ate that by itself, I don't know that I would enjoy it. But when she takes it, she puts it all in there, she throws it in the blender and blends it all up. Sometimes it doesn't come out looking that good. Sometimes it's a weird color. Or but she pours it in, and it's, she always tells me it's tasty and it's good for her. So I believe her. And, and it's, she takes these ingredients and these elements that maybe wouldn't be good by themselves, but together they bring flavor and they bring life. And this is what this series is all about. Sometimes we just kind of take our faith and we say, that's what I do on Sunday. Or I'll pick that up at night when I read my Bible. I'll try to make up for the bad parts of my day with a good thing during the morning or an evening or once a week. And that's not what faith calls us to do. It actually is blended into every part of our life. And we, we're using Matthew chapter 12, verse 28 through 31 as kind of our key verse. It'll be on the screen. You can follow along. But it, Jesus was, it says, one of, the, one of the scribes came up to, and heard that Jesus was disputing with one another, and seeing that he had answered them well, he asked Jesus this, which command is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater command than these. And this great command is built around these five key demonstrations of love, of loving the Lord with our heart, soul, mind, strength, and loving those around us. And we're going to be spending our five-week series looking at these aspects. Last week, we looked at this idea of our, our soul and how our soul was created by God to be creative, that we were create, and in creating, we're to demonstrate his love to other people. And we had an interview time with a group of creative people, Brian and Kayla and Leah Beth, who helped us understand how that played out in their life. This week, we're moving past the soul and how it's part of who we are on the inside and now talking about the body and our strength. How do we love the Lord with our strength? And so, again, I'm going to teach for about 10 or 15 minutes, and I'm going to interview a good, dear friend of mine who has been demonstrating this kind of aspect in our life, and I'll introduce him here in a minute. But this week, I want us to move from this aspect of love as this loving the Lord in this intrinsic like way that I feel deep down in my soul to actually it coming out in 
who I am and my body. When we look at the word, when you look back at the original scripture, the word that's translated here for loving the Lord your God with all your strength, it can often be translated to might. But I think the, the best word that it could be used here is this, to love the Lord your God vehemently. That's what the word means, vehemently. That means with great passion, great force, great intensity, and purposefully. It means to love him with your whole life, to put everything you have into it. I, I walk the streets of this neighborhood all the time, and if you guys live in this neighborhood, you know we are known as like the stroller capital of New York City, right? I mean, we have kids everywhere. There, I think there are more strollers on the streets than cars sometimes, and uh, you can see this all the time. Parents will be out with their kids. They'll be talking, and it actually happened where I was, I was with Nancy this week. We're sitting there talking, and kids are like, walk, and then kids do what? They take off running. They take off running toward the street. What do parents do? They love their kids so vehemently that they're going to do anything they can to go after them, use every part of their body they can to stop them and say, this is not where you need to be going. Stop. I see it almost every day, these parents vehemently following their children saying, do not go into the street. And this is the kind of love that is saying here that we are often to demonstrate back to God is this vehement love of this great passion of saying, this is what God has created me. This is my body. This is my strength. How can I use it to demonstrate love for God? Demonstrated action. I I love that idea that we will do whatever is necessary to demonstrate love to God, no matter the circumstance or no matter the consequence. Too often, I know in my life, I, I, I even catch myself doing this sometimes, of like, you know, in this moment, let me not maybe vehemently love God. I'll just hold it back. I'll tone it back. I'll turn it down just a little bit. This isn't the right situation. And, uh, and I catch myself, even in years, if I look back of doing ministry of pastoring and things like that, it's so tempting sometimes to just turn the volume down on our love for God. But here's what I want to hear you first this morning is this. A vehement love for God is not always a boisterous love for God. It doesn't have to be screaming and yelling and chasing people down the street. All right, I'm not telling you if you see somebody you think, that person Like, I'm just going to chase them down the street like they do their child. I'm not telling you to do that in the city. We had a guy do that with us this week. He was vehemently opposed to many things that uh, that we stand for. And he was he let us know for about six blocks how vehemently opposed he was to things. But uh, that's I'm grateful. Like, that's not us. That's not our calling. But our calling is not a boisterous calling, but it's an ever present calling. This is what I love about the love that God calls us to demonstrate. It's not that we have to turn it down. We just kind of find the right way to speak it and share it in tune with what's going on with our neighborhood, with what's going on with my friends, with what's going on with my family. The love of God, as we demonstrate the love of God, it should never be out of tune. It should actually normally flow into our lives and how we interact with other people. I love this as, you know, I love the aspect of harmony. Harmony is when two almost opposite notes can be sung at the same time, but when they're sung in harmony, they add value to one another. And when we talk about vehemently loving the Lord our God, it's not to try to be as boisterous and as loud and as out of tune as we can so that somebody hears us. It's to speak and to love in harmony and to let that play out in our lives. And that happens as we demonstrate 
God's love. I love Steve's uh, sharing about this, our team that served with him and how they demonstrated the love of God by actually going and working and serving. I love Chase and Tara's story of how they first connected with New City Church as they were walking by the park and they saw a team with a logo vest on from New City Church just out laying mulch in the park and picking weeds and be like, what kind of church actually cares for the neighborhood? So this is his thought. He's like, let's at least check it out. And now they're an incredible part of our church family. This is a demonstrated love. But too often, we believe the church, and we get heard this all the time, should just focus on spiritual matters, right? Teach people how to pray, how to connect with God through inner peace. Don't worry about the physical side of our life, what we do with our body. As long as we're good, as long as we, our soul's good, we, we know how to pray, and I'm good, like have this inner peace, even though everything else is going around. We need that, but the love of God doesn't stop there. It does not stop there. What does the church, what does God have to say about our physical lives, how we use our bodies? has much to say about it, much to say. So I want us to spend a few minutes understanding this connection between physical and spiritual because it's easy to try to walk through our life imagining that we are only one of these. If you've got 2 Corinthians, look at 2 Corinthians 4.16. I love and hate this verse, all right? Uh, It says this, so do not lose heart. Though your outer self is wasting away. I mean, I just love. Paul's like, look, I'm looking out at you guys. You're wasting away, right? And it's not a, you're not looking as good as you used to. But even though your outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. I want you to hear this. God created us both as physical and spiritual creatures. It's two sides to a coin. You can't have one without the other. There is no coin that does not have two sides. And there's no person that does not have both a physical and a spiritual nature. And how one works impacts the other. Even even Jesus, even God demonstrates himself this way, right? So we know God, the Father in heaven, like the creator. But when he came to earth, how did he demonstrate? He came in the form of Christ in a physical form. But then after Christ left, what did he do? He sent the Holy Spirit, a spiritual form, to connect with us. So Jesus was demonst- or God was demonstrating this physical and spiritual nature of things. And there's a couple of truths that come out of this that I want us to grab. It's from birth to death, I want us to understand our physical natures will diminish. They're going to go down. Like, I wish I had my 22-year-old body again. Like I, it wasn't that good. But it's better than that. Like, you know, I just wish I still, I wish I could play basketball the way I used to. Last summer when our interns were here, we went out and played basketball. And I hadn't played in a couple years. And I was like, I can pick this up. I'm, you know, I used to be pretty good at basketball. I could dribble, jump, and all this kind of stuff, shoot. And so we go out and play. And like five minutes in, like one, I'm winded. I'm, I'm a little like out of shape already. And then like I'm jumping, but I'm like, well, why am I not getting off the ground? Like, what is happening? Like, gravity must have changed. Like, it must be stronger than it used to. And I was like, trying. Like, my body has just changed. My muscles, it takes much more to get them in shape than it used to. And it's just a fact of life. If you're, if you're past probably 28, 29, you're starting to truly experience some of the diminishing value of our physical nature. And I want you to hear this. God knows that. It's natural. It's, it's part of who we are. It's part of how we're shaped. But I love this. He says, too, from birth to death, though our spiritual nature will develop. As one diminishes, the other is developing. And God designed us this way. 
This is not bad news because, you know what, if I had to rely on my physical strength and my physical prowess for the rest of my life, I'd be in trouble. You know, I, maybe we're strong young because we're stupid young, you know, and we can make mistakes and fight our way out of it, baby. But as we get older, we can't fight our way out of it. That's where the, the spirit comes in. That's where relying, growing who we are on the inside takes over, and it's these two natures that play together. It's being renewed. It's becoming more robust. Our physical sustains us while our spiritual grows, and our spiritual sustains us while our physical diminishes. This is why it's key to understanding why we should emphasize both of these natures. We shouldn't neglect the physical and only focus on the spiritual, but we shouldn't neglect the spiritual and only focus on the physical as well. And so as we focused on the soul last week, the spiritual part, I want us to focus a little bit more on the physical this week. So let's look. Let's, if you've got your Bibles now, flip over to Romans 12, chapter 1 and 2. If you're familiar with Scripture, this is one that you've probably heard before. It'll be on the screen as well. Let me read this to you, and then we'll dive in and grab a couple things before we do our interview. It says this, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual Worship, do not be conformed to this world, but be (laughs) transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. This first gives us a few things to think about when it comes to how do we engage our physical natures in a way to show and demonstrate the love of God. First, it says this, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. I want you to hear first today, we should care for our bodies because they are a gift from God. God has given us this. This wasn't an afterthought. This wasn't like, I'm going to make these soulful. Oh, maybe we should give them something to run around in. It's not an afterthought. This is part of who we are. And this doesn't mean that we should spend every waking moment we can sculpting our bodies, making sure we're Greek Adonises and all this stuff. I remember last year when we went to, to Italy and France and we saw these amazing carvings and sculptures and just how chiseled, these people, the only reason they're chiseled like that is because they're actually chiseled, right? I mean, it's not, I don't know that anybody can actually look like David, the statue of David, look like. So it's not that. It's not that we have to do that, but we also shouldn't neglect our physical aspect of who we are. We shouldn't just say, ah, whatever. Forget about it. I'm just going to eat what I want to eat. And I used to joke, I'm not going to have, you know, uh, worry about my cholesterol because I'll eat enough salt to thin my blood out. So it'll flow easier. You know, we just have these ideas of of like, hey, I'm going to die one day. Why take care of this? Because God gave us this. It's a gift. It means that we strive for healthy living patterns to understand. We eat for nourishment and communal connection. We don't just eat because it's there and because it's comfortable and because it tastes good. I, I love fried food. I do. I'm getting ready to go to Texas for a trip and. There's some foods I'm looking forward to eating, but I I know I can't eat those every day. And I'm not just talking here about how we eat, but it's also how we use our bodies in physical activity, how we keep moving, staying healthy and functioning. This is not about weight or strength. It's about health and actually spending our lives with the ability to what? Love God vehemently, right? We can do that when we're healthy. When we are healthy, we can love God vehemently and passionately to strive to do this. But I want to be very clear. The truth is I understand each of us in here have physical limitations. I mean, we're, some are born short, some are born tall. Some are born different makeups 
It's all true. Some experience limitations more than others due to age, physical handicap, or disease. And I want you to hear this morning that our limitations do not define us or how much we can love God. All right? You're like, I can't do what I used to do, so I must not be able to love God the way I... No, it doesn't define you. Instead, it's understanding that learning to live with and through these limitations is an amazing expression of love to God itself. It's not about doing whatever I can to fix my body. So it's to know that they're eventually going to fail us. But it's about using my strength and the vitality that I possess to honor the one that created me. Use that strength. Use that vitality to honor God. The basic principle is this. Don't put artificial limitations on your body due to unhealthy practices that will damage and limit limit you. But also don't use natural limitations as an excuse to limit your expression of love to God. We can do that. Second thing that, that we see here is this. When it says to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I I love this, that we should actually use our bodies as an instrument of God. That's what worship is. It's everything we do. It's not just what we do here on Sunday mornings. It's not a song or a, a way that we connect. It's actually what we do and how we live. It says be a living sacrifice. That every day we have this vitality of living for God. I wake up and go, how do I use the tool God gave me today for God? Worship isn't singing, it's living. It is living. When our bodies are used as an instrument of God, we stop asking, what is it that I want to do? What desires do I want to pursue? What feelings do I want to experience? And we start saying, God, with this body, what desires do you want to meet, to use me for? What feelings do you want me to experience so that I can communicate your truth. He sharpens us as people. He sharpens us. There, there's an old quote by Abraham Lincoln. He says, if you give me six hours to chop down a tree, I'll spend the first four sharpening the axe. Because if you have a sharp axe and you're, you're, you're vital, you're, you have a vitality to you, you can accomplish as much in two hours than you can with a dull axe. And the thing is this, is sometimes we, we view our bodies and we, we see our limitations and how they can hold us back instead of saying, what can I do to sharpen and use my body as an instrument? But I love that it doesn't just stop with like this physical strength aspect. What does he say next? He says, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. And I want you to see this. We should care for our minds so that we can grow discernment. Our mind is just as much a part of our body as any other part. And in this passage, Paul talks about mental health because it is actually part of our physical health. I think way too often we separate mental health and physical health and act like they're two separate things. How would your body function if your mind wasn't there? It's part of your body. And we can't limit the concept of mental health being just as important as bodily health. It has a... What we do with our body impacts our mental health and how we view our mental health can impact our body as well. The renewing of your minds that it's talking about here is talking about this. It's about stopping unhealthy thought patterns and starting to develop patterns that focus our minds around truth. Do you know what times lead us into poor mental health is when we allow untruths, we allow lies to come in and begin to own our thought processes. And it leads us down pathways that we never thought we would go down. We start to view ourselves or other people in different ways because we're believing lies. I mean, just this week, 
right? Two incredibly, seemingly happy, successful people. You know, we hear the story of their suicide, and it blows us away. And I sat there as I watched these stories unfold, and your, your first thought is like, they had everything. They had what we wanted. They seemed to have, but there were probably thought patterns in their life that were becoming destructive and led them down to this place where eventually they said, if I'm not healthy here, why should I even be alive? If you've never thought that in your life, maybe you've been on guard, but I think many of us in here have allowed unhealthy mental patterns to take us down places of darkness we've never wanted to go before. And my encouragement to you is this. Just like when we go to the doctor, when we feel something wrong and it's painful in our bodies, we should do the same when something is wrong and painful in our minds. Going to counseling, getting health, help in a mental state, that's not a sign of weakness. It's not a sign that you're crazy. It's actually a sign of strength. We all benefit. The, actually, the best time for counseling, the best time to, to stop a problem is actually before it begins. I, I go to the doctor once every year, whether I need it or not. I go see Dr. Max every two weeks. Sometimes I'm feeling good when I go in there, and sometimes I'm like, I'm hurting. Help me. So we have these moments that we use our bodies and our minds, and we have to actually care for them in a way that we have to take proactive steps. And this is why health is so important, because we need to vehemently pursue health in our physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional states. And that brings us to our interview today. So over the last two years, two and a half years, uh, a little over two years ago, Katie and I decided to start going to the chiropractor. Uh, Katie's job, she's a dental hygienist. She's been over all the time, and there was strain on her back and neck. And somebody said, we should connect with, uh, uh, with a chiropractor. And so I did what you do in New York. I zogdocked it, right? I was like, all right, who gets some, who takes our insurance and who has uh, some good ratings? And we found this guy in Midtown Manhattan. Uh, his name was Dr. Max Heller. And I was like, let's go give him a shot. And uh, little did we know as we were walking in that day that we were walking into a guy that would become one of our dear friends uh, here in the city. So uh, over the years that we've been as patients, we've had numerous conversations about the topic that we've been discussing today, this physical, spiritual aspect of things, the idea of total health and how physical, mental, and spiritual aspects of things are intertwined and it needs to be part of our dialogue. And we've often joked that he's the one that, knows how to straighten the body out, and I'm the one who maybe knows how to straighten the soul out. And I say he's the one that keeps me straight all the time. And so when I was thinking of this topic in this interview, Dr. Max was the first person who came to mind of having this conversation between physical, mental, and spiritual. So will you guys welcome Dr. Max Heller up here with me today? Introduce yourself to us a little bit, who, okay. where you live, what you do. And this is Dr. Max's second time actually here. Uh, with us at New City. So. I am honored to be here. Uh, I was actually came last summer as well. I was asked to come for a health fair. Um, so some of you I did meet last year. Um, just a little reminder of last year's experience. It was my first time here. It was my first time to Long Island City, which is very cool, by the way. Um, this church is very cool. But this choir he had last year was with all these children singing was probably one of the most emotional experiences of my life. I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden I was just crying, and I don't know why I was crying, and I couldn't stop crying. So, true story, it was a very emotional experience. So I was looking forward to coming back today, and when Patrick told me to come back today and speak about 
the body and the mind and the soul and how it's all connected. I was like, that's that's awesome. So I remember uh, I remember last year, Dr. Max went home after the service. He was like, I'm going to join your church. It's a phenomenal church. Like we're, I'm bringing my wife and kids and he goes home and his wife's like, Max, we're Jewish. You can't join. <laughs> I was ready to join the church. You know, my wife said, You're Jewish. Oh, yeah. I forgot. So, uh, Actually, you just stole my line. I was going to tell sorry. that story. I was going to tell that story. It was too good. good. I've been telling that one all week. Actually. It's a good one. So, but, uh, I've been a chiropractor for 15 yeah. years. Uh, I live on Long Island. Practices in Midtown Manhattan. I'm on Madison and 39th. Um, I love what I do. I actually I really feel like I was chosen to be a chiropractor. Um, some people, you know, choose their jobs. I honestly feel like I was chosen to do what I do, and I really just help people improve their lives and their health on a daily basis, and I've probably had at this point probably like 5,000 patients at least. Um, really how I got into chiropractic, um, when I grew up, I was um, asthmatic. I had some really bad asthma as a child, um, pretty bad to the point where I had to go to the doctor a lot for... Um, injections for it or shots and I was on the nebulizer sometimes I would go to the hospital <coughs> for asthma attacks and, and it was just kind of a childhood of asthma is what I remember mm-hmm. um, always worked out I was very in shape my whole life I've probably been working out since I'm 16 um, in college I got real into lifting and I was, but I was in a fraternity and I was a vegan at the time so I was kind of small compared to some of the guys in my fraternity house and I actually wound up hurting myself um, working out at the gym, um, wound up in the hospital. I was put on painkillers and muscle relaxers for my shoulder. I was told that I was probably going to need surgery for my shoulder. Um, I was, it was just not a good, good path I was on. And my friend said to me, why don't you go see my chiropractor? Um, and I said, you know what, let me go, let me go check it out. And I went to see the chiropractor, and besides from him helping me naturally to feel better and my neck and my shoulder pain got better, um, I actually didn't have asthma anymore after getting adjusted. So it kind of, the whole thing was pretty powerful, and it really inspired me to go onto a path of natural health and healing. I was always interested in healthcare. I was on ambulance corps growing up in junior high school and high school. I knew I wanted to do something with healthcare. Um, but I just decided that that was my path, and I've really helped thousands of people, like, prevent them from having surgeries and helping them get off medications and really just mm-hmm. live a very health and wellness, holistic lifestyle. So it's kind of my story. That's one of the cool things I love about his story, and I think where we connected with is that calling, right? So when I view my role as a pastor, it's kind of a calling. And we were joking, I don't know, it was a month or two ago, you went to a chiropractic conference in Vegas, and he came back like all – hyped up i mean he 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 was like this is why i'm a chiropractor like he was and i was like this is like how i feel when i come back from a you know a a conference and so it's like i love the passion that he brings it's not a profession it's a passion and i think that's where we connected very early on so as you talk about health uh dr max talk about maybe one or just briefly some of the most unhealthy practices like when you go from a natural perspective that can just put us down a pathway where we're heading for trouble if we're not careful well, one of the things I talked, I learned about at the seminar recently that I just went to um, is just just the, the statistics today about the, the, the whole medical model that we live in right now. It's just so alarming. And 
people really want something different, and I, I really feel like we're at, in out-of-control epidemic proportions at this point of how many people are on opioids and painkillers and really what it's doing to our society. I mean, the research shows you could take one Percocet and within an hour actually become addicted to it on the first time ever taking it. And what happens is your body becomes so addicted to these substances that if you can't keep up the addiction, that's when people actually wind up taking heroin, and that's why heroin's turned into probably the largest epidemic in the world right now. Um, I mean, I live on Long Island. Heroin's like all over Long Island, and you think it's just like some cheap drug, but like it's it's pretty prevalent now, and it's because of this painkiller addiction that our society has. So, you know, that's pretty much the medical model of of like pain and health, and it's just about prescriptions. And like, if you go to like uh, your doctor for back pain, if you go to City MD or any of these like emergency like places, I mean, you're walking out of there with a prescription. I mean, that's pretty much that's pretty much the standard of what our society is now. And the most alarming part of it was like the the, the research or lack there of research on back surgery is is really frightening. I mean, I I had no idea that there's literally only like a handful of studies that have actually <coughs> been done that prove the effectiveness of back surgery. So they're actually calling back surgery like almost like the ultimate placebo at this mm. point. So it's it's there's better ways to go about taking care of yourself. This this broken system of like crisis care is just not working for our society. Um, you know, so I guess to answer your question, like leading into that, like one of the most, the biggest problems that we face as a society and as a culture is that we look at things like, you know, how many people in here, for instance, have like headaches or get headaches? Yeah. Most people, yeah. Okay, so here's the problem. People look at that and say, oh, well, that's common to have headaches, you know, it, or it's normal to have headaches. The problem is, is we think things like that are normal. Oh, okay, everyone has back pain. Okay, it might be normal, uh, common to have back pain, but it's not normal. So yeah. that the first problem is is that we look at these things and we just kind of ignore them and think that these problems are going to go away. The second step problem is how we deal with these problems, which is kind of like how I started talking And as far as, like, what do we do when we have a headache? Take a nap. Take something, right? So obviously the headache's going to go away, but you're not really addressing why you have the headache. So... You know, I, more times I'll, I'll talk to a patient, they'll be like, oh, a new patient, they'll be like, oh, I had some back pain a couple months ago, it hurt for a few days, and then it went away, so I kind of just forgot about it. You know, the, pro the pain goes away, but why you have the problem is still there, so uh, you're not really addressing the issue with that. So the two things are like looking at issues like they're normal, and then how we deal with these problems is by this reactive, crisis-based you know, mentality of just taking medications rather than being proactive with your health and really, you know, it's like you don't, like, like Katie is, you know, dental hygienist. Like, for some reason, people totally get the whole dental model. Like, you, you brush your teeth so you don't <laughs> wind up with cavities. Like, people get that. People understand that for some yeah. reason. But people think you just, you know, you go to a chiropractor, for instance, when you're, like, broken. Hmm. You know, it works a lot better when you're not a train wreck, to be <laughs> honest with you. That's what I, I mean, do you see the correlation here between the body and the physical? I mean, like, how often do we do the same thing in our spiritual aspects? Like, we wait until there's a major moral failure, a major issue in our life, a sin issue that just overwhelms us, and we're like, all right, I got to be prescriptive in fixing that and and get that out of my life versus actually dealing with these root causes of jealousy or anger or greed 
that drives us. And uh, this is, these are the kind of conversations we have back and forth as he's like, you know, adjusting me and moving me. And we talk about families and stuff too, but. We talk about a lot of coffee. Also. Yeah, I was going to say, the other big thing we have in common is coffee. This coffee's pretty good. Good. Yeah, Bricktown is a good one. So uh, let's, let's talk as we, as we move this toward the end here is like, how, how have you experienced people come in with this physical ailment of physical pain, whatever, and how does that translate into them, you know, in their mental state, their emotional state, and how have you seen those two things tied together? Well, people don't realize that, you know, every function of the body is controlled by the brain and the spinal cord. So the nervous system controls every single thing that you do, for your heart to work, your lungs to work, your immune system to work, and for your body to heal. So your body actually has a natural ability to heal itself. So, like, if you cut your arm and you wake up the next day, there's a scab on your arm, so your body actually has an ability to heal naturally. Um, But there are physical stresses on the body, you know, sitting 10 hours a day at a computer in corporate America, texting, poor posture. I mean, in my 15 years of doing this now, I've seen... Patients have been getting younger and younger and younger. I mean, my average patient that comes to see me is like 25, literally. And I've actually seen arthritis in people's spines and degeneration in their spines starting as young as like 27 now. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely becoming more of an issue um, physically. I mean, a lot of people don't realize certain habits they have are, are very bad habits as far as sleeping on your stomach is a very terrible repetitive stress injury to your back. A lot of people do it. They don't realize how bad it is. It actually forces your back into extension. You're turning your neck to the side. You're compressing discs. It's just wear and tear. It's, you know, carrying a laptop on a bag on one shoulder. You're throwing off the weight distribution on your spine. I mean, that's just those five-pound differences enough to actually cause disc problems. And, um, you know, those are just some examples of physical stress besides injuries and stuff like that, sports, working mm-hmm. out. But then the next stress to the body is chemical stress. Medications you take, the foods you eat. I mean, no one knows what to eat anymore. So, I mean, I just just watched that movie, What the Health, on uh, Netflix. It's probably the most disturbing thing I've ever seen. So when you watch that, you're going to be like, oh, my God, I don't know what to eat anymore. So, I mean, some of it's biased, definitely. I was reading about it. Don't don't take it all with a grain of salt. Like it says something like, uh, you know, eating an egg a day is equivalent to five cigarettes a day. I don't think that's true, but you'll probably, you might want to become a vegan after watching the movie now because it's pretty intense. But how you eat, I mean, you got to eat clean. I mean, that's the moral of the story. You got to eat processed foods, no good. I mean, people know this stuff, but yet our society is like the most overweight yeah. and obese it's ever been now. So, um, And then the main key, the final component that people don't realize for your health, and this is where come together is the, the emotional aspect of, of health and emotional stress on the body is just as bad for your spine and your health as physical stress. It's just as bad as like falling off of a ladder. Mm. So I mean, if you have uncontrolled stress levels in your body and you don't know how to focus in and learn how to deal with it properly, it causes health issues. You know, it causes major problems. So that's why, you know, being connected to something bigger than you is so important because it helps to keep you, you know, in alignment, mental alignment yeah. too. I mean, I feel like 
when people come to see me and get adjusted, it, besides from it being a physical alignment, it, it really connects you and it reconnects you and people come to see me to kind of just get like refocused in life and that's really what an adjustment does. Yeah. I love that. It's this picture of this blended life, right? I mean, the physical, chemical, emotional, spiritual, it's like God created us as one being, you know, and we get to all of this impacts each other. And so I love uh, this conversation. Uh, I'm going to allow Dr. Max to share a little bit about what they offer in their office. He's going to be outside right afterwards uh, if you want to connect with him. We have people in our congregation that regularly uh, see him, Sean, up there. Different guys, uh, people have seen him on a regular basis. And so uh, if you want to connect with him, I highly recommend that it has been a, just a great experience for Katie and I uh, in our overall health of trying to vehemently pursue God uh, to make this a part of it. So tell us quickly what you guys all offer at the office. Okay. So I've evolved over my 15 <laughs> years now of doing this to being a multidisciplinary practice. So when I first started out, I was just doing chiropractic, just adjusting, and, like, that's great for most people, but I found that people respond a lot better to more of a holistic, multidisciplinary uh, approach. So I have massage therapy, so we do a lot of muscle work. Um, we do physical therapy at my office because sometimes you need, so you need strengthening, you need stabilization. Um, we have a medical team, too, which makes me pretty modern and pretty mainstream. Um, we do natural pain management in my office. I have a physiatrist. We have a PA. We have a lab tech. We do nerve testing. Um, the natural pain management we do is called Tremil injections. They're basically like cortisone shots, but they're made out of plant extract. So we keep, um, we keep it all holistic. We do B12 shots, vitamin D shots. Um, I actually was even contacted by um, Women's Health magazine last year. I was actually featured in Women's Health because uh, just they actually called me to ask me about a new episode of the Real Housewives of Orange County. And <laughs> the, one of the people in the show actually went and got adjusted um, by a chiropractor, and she claims that she lost weight from getting adjusted. So they were calling to find out from me the validity of that statement. <laughs> and I didn't want to, like, bash my profession or anything, but I basically, you know, I'm not a quack, so I definitely, you know, I'm pretty well-respected as far as what I do and my reputation. So I said, chiropractic is part of a holistic lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It's a part of natural wellness. It helps you feel better. It keeps you active. It makes you want to go to the gym more. It makes you more aware of your body. So, I mean, that's basically how you lose weight. It's not, <laughs> you're not going to get adjusted and lose weight. There's no, like, magic potion for that. So You'd have people lining up outside. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. I'd be mega wealthy then. Yeah. But, um, so it actually came out really good, that article. Awesome. I was actually featured with a big neurologist from uh, NYU, and the whole thing came out to be very pro-chiropractic. So. Um, so also we have a nurse in my office, too, which is kind of a new addition. We do blood work for food sensitivity testing. We do vitamin testing, micronutrient testing. Uh, a lot of people are eating inflammatory foods for the body and stuff. So we have a nutritionist that we work with who came with me last year. You may have met yeah. Hannah here. Um, and now we actually have an acupuncturist, too. So we kind of do the whole thing in our office. Some people come for some of it. Most people come for all of it. We kind of call it the works. So I always tell people, listen, you want what we do in my office to work. It's natural. It's holistic. It's the body healing itself. So if my, if my technique and everything that we do in my office doesn't help you, I mean, there's way more radical things ahead for yeah. you. So um, <laughs> I actually 
if you want to contact me or stay, you know, I'll be talking outside. Anyone who wants to set up appointments, I'm in Midtown right by Bryant Park and Grad Central. So I'm Madison 39th. Um, we could set you up for a complimentary consultation, uh, regardless of your insurance, if you want to come see me, and we can set you up for a medical massage, um, regardless of your coverage. And moving forward, we do take insurance, so if you did want to come in, we can do that. We're pretty modern. People text us. My number's a, I, we have an iPhone for the office, so people text. You can book online with ZocDoc, like Patrick found me. Um, I'm on Yelp, Google, probably got like 200-something reviews. You could read them if you want. Um, I'm on Instagram, Dr. Max NYC, probably about almost 1,500 followers. Lots of followers, yeah. And then uh, I have a coffee blog, too. Yes, you do. I'm a, <laughs> yes, I'm a crazy do. maniac <laughs> when it comes to coffee, and I write my blog in the middle. Only, of only 10 cups today so yeah, far. Yeah, I'm on like literally like 10 cups right now. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I, I'm very health conscious, but my coffee intake is not healthy. But you can read all about it, and you'll be very concerned about me. So oh, it's sorry. called ha <laughs> hashtag caffeinated on WordPress. There's a link to it in my Instagram and what else. Oh, we just started a YouTube channel, yes. too. So I'm actually going to try to figure out how to put this on the we'll YouTube channel today, and we can uh, take it from there. Awesome. You tell Dr. Max. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, brother. Appreciate awesome. it as always. Yeah. Hey, as we, uh, as we get ready to close, I love this. I'm just enjoying this series and hearing these stories and how life interacts, blends together with one another. I, I've never been to a church that's sat down with a chiropractor, a Jewish chiropractor, and shared. But I love that we're a kind of church that does that and connects and allows truth to be spoken out. And we're seeing how truth plays out in all parts of who we are, not just in a segment of who we are.